get to follow a God that's not just in the heavens sitting on a throne, but he's God with us right here where we are. That's good. That's really good. This morning we're going to start a new series that I'm really excited about on the life of King David in the Old Testament. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible where we'll be this morning, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. So you can go ahead and find that. Uh, it's in the Old Testament, uh, right after Judges, Ruth, uh, there's 1 Samuel. This morning we're not even going to talk about a passage that has David in it yet. Uh, but it has to be talked about because it's the setup for the reign of David. Uh, we're titling this series, The Sling in the Rock. And it's maybe a little cheesy, but I was thinking about the sword and the stone, you know. So we called it The Sling in the Rock. Uh, David used a sling to kill a giant. Kids, do you all remember the name of the giant? Alabama, uh, yeah, Goliath. <laughs> Goliath. So the sling kind of represents King David. He used that sling to kill, kill the giant. But, you know, like in the sword and the stone, nobody could pull the sword out until dude was worthy and he, he pulled it out and that represented his power and his strength but as a believer we don't, we don't have power by pulling away from the rock we don't have uh, influence by pulling away from the rock we have power and influence by remaining in the rock King Jesus we, we stay in the rock and, and I think that's one of the reasons David was called a man after God's own heart. Because he had as, as many of mess-ups as he had, as, many sin, as much sin as he had in his life, he, he went through bouts of, of depression and, and down, downtroddenness. I mean, he, he had all this stuff in his life. He had all this junk in his life. But when you read his writings and you read his life, he always remained in the rock. He always remained in the one that he called his king. He, he was always humble saying, God, if, if you don't do something right now, I'm done. If you don't, if you don't come in and, and act, I'm over because I've, I've reached the end of me. And he stayed there. He stayed, he remained in the rock. Yes, he was broken. Yes, he did great things. But he remained in the rock. During this series, you're probably going to hear this a lot. But when we study the life of King David, we're not trying to look at a cool guy that lived a long time ago and say, man, if we're like him, we'll be better people. That's not, that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to improve our morality by looking at a moral guy that lived a long time ago. We're not trying to improve our character by, by maybe taking some of his characteristics and making them ours. David's story, the story of King David, was a small piece of a grand puzzle that was pointing to 
the greatest one that ever stepped foot on this dirt. All of King David's story is pointing to Jesus. It is screaming Jesus. And I don't know that there's a better picture because when David is good, he's, he's showing the character of Jesus just flowing out of him, the wisdom of Jesus just flowing out of him. And that's what we want in our lives. But when David messes up, he shows an incredible need for a redemption that has not happened yet. David proved that he needed a redeemer. And he was pointing to him. The title of the message this morning is Give Us a King. David's not a part of the story yet. But this is the setup to David becoming king later. Read it with me. 1 Samuel 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. His firstborn son's name was Joel, and his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. However, his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned towards dishonest prophet, took bribes, and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us the same way as all the other nations have. When they said, give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong, so he prayed to the Lord. So just to kind of give you a a little help, backstory, up up to this point, Israel did not have a king that, that led the people. All the other nations had a king, but Israel didn't. They were led by prophets and they were led by judges that were appointed by the prophets. Samuel was an excellent prophet he served the people well he was a good man he led well he pointed the people to God he was all about the father he was all about Yahweh and then there's this conflict right here now check this out they come to Samuel and they say look Samuel you're old like, you, you can't, you're too old to do this anymore. And you know, that's got to that's gotta sting a little bit, right? Like, you've served your can off with people, and, and, and now it comes to a point, and, and the first thing they say to you is, brother, you're just old. And then the next thing is, and your two sons that you've appointed judges, they ain't no count. Your sons are... Sorry. Like, that's another offensive thing, right? Like, we can talk about how our kids are bad, but when you, somebody else says, hey, your kids are sorry, boy, that, that kind of stings a little bit. But, you know, Samuel didn't get offended that they called him old or that they called his kids sorry. That's when you know you got sorry kids is when you, hey, your kids are sorry, yeah. He didn't get offended at that, but when they said they wanted a king besides the father, Samuel says, 
that is wrong. That is what offends him. When they want a king besides God. And so he goes and he prays about this. That's, that's a good response. He goes and he seeks the Lord on this. And there's something major that we need to learn from this. First observation this morning. Rebellion has to do with our allegiance to Jesus, not how right or wrong we are or think we are. I know that's kind of wordy. We're going to leave it up there a minute. Maybe you need to read it again. Rebellion has to do with our allegiance to Jesus, not how right or wrong we are or think we are. Dustin, what do you mean by that? Samuel was old. The elders were right when they came and told Samuel, hey, there is a limit to how much you can lead. You are old now. They were right. His two sons, Joel and Abijah, they were taking bribes. When, when there was a conflict, the richer person won the argument. These guys were no good. The elders coming and saying, your sons are no good for us, they were right. But it had nothing to do with who God was in their life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we can be right as rain. We can, we can have right convictions, but it has nothing to do with God. And that is a subtle rebellion. Do you know why they wanted a king? It says it plain as day. Because everybody else has a king. We're talking about grown men acting like third graders. Everybody else has a king. Y'all got a kid that does that? But Silas could do These were grown men, leadership in, in the body, in the, in the family of God, coming to Samuel, and they're not saying, I think it's time for God to send us a king. No, no. They don't give a flip what God wants. They're saying, we want a king because everybody else has one. They were sick of this invisible king that none of the other nations could see. They were sick of, 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 of not having the status of what it meant to have a king. They wanted a king that they could look at. And friends, let, let me tell you something. Let me, let me please hear this. This is a subtle rebellion that will ruin your walk with God when you want something visible and tangible to take the place of the one who is invisible. It will let you down every time. They were right in their argument, but they were wrong in their answer. We have to be careful. And looking around at, at what everybody else has and demanding that for us from God. 
We have to be careful and even looking at, at what other churches are doing and saying we need, we need to do that. Don't you think God can be creative enough for, for him to have this church do this and this church do this and this church do this and that way the whole city is reached instead of every church doing one thing? Do you think that could be possible? See, I think we serve a big old creative God that doesn't want one church, all the churches to do one thing. Here's, here's what happens. You, you'll see a church grow. You'll see a church explode. And, and they'll go from uh, 600 people to 10,000 people. And then they put on a conference and they invite everybody. Let me show y'all what we're doing. And this is the thing that we're doing. This is, this is what we're doing. You need to go train your people to do this thing, this program. And it'll make your church grow from 600 to 6,000. But that's not how it works. We don't, we don't do what... We don't look at what everybody else is doing and, and make that the thing that we need to do. We say, Jesus, you reign here. You are king here. And you do, you tell us what to do, and we'll do it right now. And when we don't, there's, there's something of a subtle rebellion there. I don't know if, if it's we feel the need to be the biggest church. I don't know if it's we feel the need to be the coolest church. I, I, don't, know, I don't know why it's there, but there's this subtle rebellion that, that steps away from God's reign and begins to put our trust into what somebody else is doing. Our church needs to be focused on what Jesus has for us to do. And that's all. That's it. He will bless us if we do what he says for us to do. That's the application for this observation. Uh, identify the subtle rebellions in our souls. Man, you may be you may be right in your stance about something, but you may be completely wrong as to why you stand there. If it has nothing to do with your alignment with Jesus, it's wrong anyway. I stand here because Jesus is king of my soul. That's the right answer. I stand here because everybody else I know stands here. Wrong. That's shallow. That's weak. That's not what we do. We stand where Jesus places our feet. Keep reading with me. We'll read verse 6 again. When they said, give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong, so he prayed to the Lord. But the Lord told him, listen to the people and everything they say to you. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me as their king. They are doing the same thing to you that they have done to me since the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day. 
abandoning me and worshiping other gods. Listen to them, but solemnly warn them and tell them about the customary rights of the king who will reign over them. Isn't that weird? God had a weird response there, didn't he? Samuel comes to God and he's like, God, this is wrong. These people are asking for a king that is not you. And this is wrong. This is sinful. Please do something about that. And how did God answer him? You're right, Samuel. They are wrong. So do what they're telling you to do. What? Is that not weird? They're wrong, Samuel. So go ahead and give it to them. Gigantic truth right here, y'all. Please listen to me. Please understand this. Second observation, sometimes our worst judgment from God comes when he gives us exactly what we want. Did you know that? Sometimes our worst judgment is when God says, okay, if that's what you want, have it. We tend to want to serve a God that will give us what we want. But for, for a believer, for God to give us something that he knows is not right for us is a judgment. And that's what he's doing with these people right now. And y'all, I see it all over our world. I see it all over our wor- world. God, give me a wife. Give me a husband. If you would just give me a wife or a husband, my life would be fixed. God, give me a wife. God, give me a husband. Give me this. And finally, he says, okay. And it's not a blessing. It's hell. Married folks, don't... I saw some married folks going. (laughs) This is more for single people. God, give me, give me money. If you would, if you would just give me money. You you never, you never have enough money. Sometimes our worst judgments come when Jesus, when God answers the prayers that we want and gives us exactly what we're asking for. A better prayer is, God, don't give me a husband. Don't give me a wife until it's your man, until it's your woman. God, don't don't give me money until my life is right to have it. God, don't give me money until you teach me to be a generous man or woman. God, don't don't give me anything that will become my king and rule over me and dominate me and finally become a tyrant. God, I, I I trust you. I don't need what everybody else has. I trust you. And I believe you to give it to me when you know it's right for me. 
our second application always align with what, what we want, with what he wants. This is what our prayer has to become. God, I don't, I don't believe that I'm wise enough to know if I'm ready for this or not. So I just want to fall in line with what you want for me. I just want to fall in line with what you want for me. These people got what they want. They got what they wanted, but it didn't take long to figure out they were wrong. Because of number three, let's read these last verses and we'll look at the last thing. Samuel told all the Lord's words to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, these are the rights of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and put them to, to his use in his chariots, on his horses, or running in front of his chariots. He can appoint them for his use as commanders of thousands or, or commanders of fifties to plow his ground and reap his harvest or to make his weapons of war and the equipment for, this, for his chariots. He can take your daughters and become, to become perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He can take your best fields, vineyards, and olives, and orchards, and give them to his servants. He can take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give them to his officials and servants. He can take your male servants, your female servants, your best young men, and your donkeys and use them for his work. He can take a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves can become his servants. When that day comes, you'll cry out because of the king you've chosen for yourselves, but the Lord won't answer you on that day. A couple of summers ago, we talked about how to read and, and study God's Word. And one of the things that we talked about is when we see repetition. Y'all remember that? When you see repetition, that, that screams that the author is writing something really important. What was the repetitive word in there? What was the repetitive phrase? Take. Over and over and over again. He can take, he will take, he can take, he will take, he can take, he will take, he can take, 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 take. He's going to take your stuff. Third observation. Any king besides Jesus always becomes a tyrant in our lives. You know, it's funny because if you remember up to this point, you know, there was that time that the Israelites were in Egypt in slavery. Y'all remember that? 400 years? And while they were there, man, this guy named Moses came in and he started talking to all the people and he, he got a bunch of groups together where while they were in secret, while they weren't slaving, they started making swords and they decided that while they were in slavery, they were going to make all these swords and they were going to rise up and they were going to fight the Egyptians and they were going to win their freedom and they were going to leave Egypt. Y'all remember that? That didn't happen. Their king from heaven gave them freedom from Egypt. And then they left Egypt and they ran out to the Red Sea and, 
and, and they get to the Red Sea, and man, so thankful about this, the Jewish people were better swimmers than the Egyptians. So they put all their kids on inner tubes, and they floated them, across the Red Sea, and man, they had Olympic swimmers, that, and, and, and praise the Lord, the Egyptians couldn't swim. Y'all remember that? No, they got to the Red Sea, and their king from heaven parted the Red Sea and gave them passage, and then he swamped the, the, the Egyptians behind them. Y'all remember that? And then they get out in the wilderness, and man, they start, them old tummies start rumbling. Man, we're hungry. So what they did was they started putting together bows and arrows and looking for wild fruit, wild, wild fruit out there. And man, they were just some awesome hunters and gatherers. And, and they gathered up all this food and they had feast after feast after feast. Great food every day because the Jews were, Jews were such good at this stuff. Y'all remember that? Their king in heaven gave them manna from heaven. They got thirsty though. And they were excellent well diggers. So they got out their shovels and they dug wells. And even though they were, you know, moving all over the place, a well wouldn't help anyway. They dug some wells. Man, no. Their king in heaven gave them water from rocks. This is a king in heaven that gives to his people. And what he wanted them to understand is if you, if you pick a king besides me, he will take from you. He will take your stuff. He will take your family. His, their sons. He will take your family. He will take your daughters. He will take your sons and, and make them his. He will, he will take your crops, what you've worked hard for. He will take your land and you'll have nothing. And let me tell you something, friend. If Jesus is not your king today, I don't care what is, it's a tyrant that will take. If sex is your king, it will take your relationships from you. It'll mess your life up. If money is your king, it will take your family from you. It'll mess your life up. If status is your king, it'll take your identity from you. You won't be who, you, who God made you to be. You'll be who everybody else wants you to be. If alcohol and drugs is your king, it'll take everything from you. If success is your king, it will either take your humility or take your boldness. Jesus is a king who gives. He gives life, and not just life, abundant, eternal life. Jesus is a king who gives. He gives freedom to the enslaved. He gives forgiveness to those who have jacked everything up. He gives. He gives hope to the desperate he gives courage to the anxious. He gives, he gives love and hope to the depressed. He is a king who gives. But no other king gives. Every other king takes.
And that's the main point. Jesus is the only king who always gives. And even if something is taken from us, he uses it for our good. What a good king. Why would we want any, any, any other? Who's your king? Who's your king? Honestly, who's your king? Don't just say Jesus. Man, look at your life. Who rules your life? What rules your life? What do you want to rule your life? What do you hope to rule your life? What is it that's ruling your life and you don't want it to anymore? There may be some kings we need to dethrone this morning. Like, forget that. I'm sick of you taking. I want a king that came to serve, not to be served. I want to follow that king. I want to be his servant. Who's your king? If it's not Jesus, I don't know what it may be, but it's a tyrant that takes. This morning, if you, um, if you have a decision you need to make, you know, I, I, I'm not, I've, I've kind of reached that point in my life where I, I, I don't even know if I'm, I'm trying to figure out what God is even doing anymore just just let him do what he wants to do and 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 not try to figure it out or chase it down or get in front of it or behind it or wrangle it I, I can't I, I can't do that anymore I just need to let Jesus do whatever he wants to do so I, I don't have any other uh, response direction for you other than will you just do what he says like man if he's saying you have allowed another tyrant to sit on my throne and you need to dethrone that mug so that I can get back where I deserve in your life if you need to come up to, to this stage and do business with Jesus about that don't, don't worry about what anybody else is doing they may be right and they may be a fool you hear me you do what Jesus tells you to do I'm going to step out in the lobby. If you need to visit with me about salvation, I'll be out there to talk to you about how King Jesus earned your redemption and all you have to do is put your trust in him. If, if, if a king called unforgiveness has settled onto the throne of your heart and you need to go make that right in this room, this is called the family room for a purpose because we want to be real. The last thing I want to do is fake church. I would rather watch NFL on Sunday mornings than do fake church at 9.30. So if you need to walk across the room and you're, you're worried about what people are thinking, man, we're, we're past that here. We ain't thinking nothing. We got plenty to deal with with, with Jesus in our own lives.
will you just do whatever in the world he tells you to do because he's the good king. Father, we come to you this morning. And Jesus, we don't we don't want another king. We have served kings that have taken They've taken our, our they've taken our dignity and not just a tenth. They've taken our humanity. They've taken our right relationship with you. They've taken our courage. They've taken our humility. We acknowledge that every other king takes, but you give freely. We only want you as our king. God, I have no idea what's going on in the hearts of these people that are facing me right now. Not really. But I know you have to be dealing with them. I know you have to be calling. I know you have to be correcting. I know you have to be convicting. And God, as they as they hear that and feel that and and know that, I pray that you would also grant them the courage to do exactly what it is you have them to do. We don't want to have to say Jesus is our king. We want our lives to say Jesus is our king. We'll still say it. But we want your reign to be obvious in our lives. Just you getting your way over and over and over and over again in every second, every minute, every day. You reigning. King Jesus. So I don't know what you have planned for the next few minutes. But I pray you would get it exactly as you want it. In every soul. In Jesus' name, amen.